You are listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby of Torch in Houston, Texas. This is the Parsha Review Podcast. All right, welcome back, my dear friends. Welcome back to the weekly Parsha Review. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Achare Mos. It's the sixth portion in the book of Leviticus, the 29th portion since the beginning of the Torah. There are 80 verses, 1,170 words, and 4,294 letters. There are 28 mitzvahs in this week's Parsha. There are two performative mitzvahs and 26 prohibitions. So, after Nadav and Aviu, the sons of Aaron, died, Hashem warns the Kohanim, all of the priests, not to enter the Holy of Holies uninvited. If you don't have permission to go in, don't go in. Only on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, may the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, approach the Holy of Holies after special preparations, which means wearing special clothes. He would wear plain linen garments and changing his garments five times and immersing in the mikvah five times. The selection of the he-goats for the primary teshuva process is described. Two identical goats are selected by lottery. One is offered in the temple for Hashem, and the other for Azazel, for atonement, and it is an atonement for the entire Jewish people. It is taken to a cliff, and that is its destiny. The entire Yom Kippur Avoda is described, and this is the makeup of our Musaf service on Yom Kippur. It's from this week's parsha, And the Torah commands us to afflict ourselves on the day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, no eating or drinking, no anointing oils, no wearing leather footwear, no washing uh, washing ourselves, no showering, bathing, and no marital relations. We are prohibited from bringing a carbon, a sacrifice outside of the Holy Temple. Foreign altars like the common Bama were prevalent, which is what we are warned against doing. We are prohibited from eating blood in any way. Our meats and chickens are salted and our eggs are checked to ensure no blood is ever eaten. So if you'll notice, when you have any type of kosher restaurant, kosher affair, uh, kosher event going on, you'll always have a mashgiach in the kitchen and usually part of their job is to crack the eggs because they have to check that the eggs don't have blood in it. The Torah forbids us from eating any blood, consuming any blood, and therefore our meats, our chickens, they're all salted to remove all of that blood. The blood of slaughtered kosher birds and non-domesticated kosher animals must be covered after slaughtering. We'll see a little bit about that soon in our important lessons segment because if the blood is the soul and now the blood after it's slaughtered is on the floor, on the ground, it is a lack of respect and honor and dignity for the soul that had just lie there. The Jewish people are warned not to act like the Egyptians and the Canaanites and to remain holy. This is something which is so critical, to remain holy. Don't be like the nations of the world. It is critically important that we always have this in mind. Incest is prohibited. The Torah prohibits certain sexual relations called arayos, which is nakedness, we're going to see in our important lesson segment the different relationships that are prohibited. Additionally, marital relations are forbidden during a woman's menstrual cycle. And child sacrifice, homosexuality, and bestiality are prohibited. 
don't defile and contaminate yourselves like the other nations, the Torah tells us in this week's portion, and do not commit these abominations. So my dear friends, now we turn to the important lessons that we can derive from this week's parsha. Number one is there is a proper way to do things in Judaism. We have to understand, we mentioned this so many times in all of our classes, balance is key. There's no extremism in Judaism. Just last week in our Jewish Inspiration podcast, we dedicated an entire episode to extremism isn't Judaism. There's Everything's about balance. A person wants to, to have access to the Holy of Holies, no problem. There's the right time, there's the right place, there's the right person for it. Not everyone is able to do everything, but everyone has a world. God created this world, a world of pleasure, a world of opportunity, but there's a balance to everything. So yes, you want to go into the Holy of Holies? There's a right time, there's a right place. Intimacy? There's a right time, there's a right place. Everything that the Almighty created in this world there is a proper way to do it. Even, as we mentioned in our Thinking Talmudist podcast last week, pork. There is a substitute that God created for pork that is kosher. So someone says, oh, I need to have pork. Guess what? The Talmud tells us there's a shibuta fish that is a substitute and an exact replica of pork. But it's kosher. There's a proper way to do things. And like we mentioned previously, when there's a, a chuppah under the canopy, the one officiating the wedding recites a blessing. God forbade us from having relations with our betrothed. But God allowed us and not only allowed us, God wants us to be with those we are married to via chuppah and kedushin, through proper consecration and marriage. There is a proper way for things to happen. And it's a very important function in Judaism to ensure that the things we do are done properly, in, with balance, in the right measure. Hashem wants us close and wants our atonement. The day of atonement is the day we receive the second luchos. So this is a very important thing. You know, something that's different in Judaism, it's unique in Judaism than any other religion, is that we don't have any intermediaries. We have nobody that we come to confess our sins in front of. We have no one that we say, oh, Father, please forgive me for I have sinned. No such thing. I've had many people here in class say, oh, but Rabbi, I need to confess. Sorry, wrong religion. In our religion... In our relationship with Hashem, we go straight to the boss. We talk to the Almighty directly and we tell him, Hashem, please forgive me for I have sinned. It's private. No one needs to know about it. No one needs to hear about it. It's between you and your Creator. And how did this happen? How did we get this Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur? This Day of Atonement came about when the Jewish people sinned with a golden calf. Moses goes back up to heaven 40 days later, and he goes up to heaven for 40 days. And then God says, okay, what do you want from me? He says, God, I want you to forgive me. I want you to forget the Jewish people. And finally, Hashem says, Vayomer Hashem salachti I forgive you upon your request. 
you requested. That's why I'm going to forgive you. And that's why every day, that same day, which is Yom Kippur, is the 10th of Tishrei, is forever going to be a day of mercy, forgiveness, and atonement. And when the Jewish people come on that day of Yom Kippur and ask Hashem for forgiveness, we are granted that forgiveness. It's very important for us to know that Hashem wants us close to Him. Hashem wants us to seek His forgiveness and atone for our sins. That's the special day of Yom Kippur. So while people have this fear and this terrifying image of what Yom Kippur is, oh my goodness, I'm fasting, it's just a way for us to understand that we're disconnecting from the things that brought us to sin in order for for us to merit that atonement. Yeah, you know what? It could be from eating. It could be from drinking. It could be from uh, improper uh, sexual attractions that pulled us away from what our purpose is. You know what? On the day of Yom Kippur, we cease from all of those activities so that we can allow ourselves to have full atonement for whatever sin we may have done. The five Yom Kippur mikvah immersions are corresponding to the five afflictions because don't forget, Hashem does not want us to suffer. And when we, now the Torah tells us to have these afflictions, but still, the fact that we are limiting ourselves from these pleasures, we have to purify ourselves through it. And each one of those five dippings in the mikvah are a, I guess, a, a cleansing for those five afflictions. Each time we go into the mikvah is cleansing and purifying us. And it's not just an action that's being done. Oh, I can't believe I, I can't eat today. Oh, how much time do I have left on this fast? You know, what are we having for breakfast? Are you sure you got those bagels? You know, and people, guess what? It's not just an act. We try to actually do something to purify ourselves in the process. And that's represented by the Kohens dipping in the mikvah five times on the day of Yom Kippur. Now, the dignity of dead animals. It's not only a human being that needs dignity. Every creation of God requires dignity. And what we see here is that even an animal that was slaughtered, halachically, it was slaughtered and now they're checking to see if it's kosher or not. Part of that process is they cover the blood with soil. They cover the blood with earth. Why? To keep the dignity of the animal. Now, it's a very interesting thing that even someone who was decreed by the Jewish court they were judged to be put to death for whatever reason. And let's say they were put to death by stoning. As the Torah guides us, they'd be, they'd be pushed off a, a platform while tied up. If they didn't die in that process, then they would have a, a big stone dropped on them, and then people would stone them, and then they would hang them. But even if they would hang them, they would only be hung till nightfall. They would only be hung till nightfall. Why would they be hung till nightfall? They'd be hung till nightfall because here's a human being. This person's a creation of the Almighty. And just be hanging there till the next day and the next day? No, no, no. They're hung because the Torah tells us that people need to see and learn a lesson from it. But notwithstanding the lesson, there's still human dignity. It's a very important thing that even when the Torah reprimands someone, 
the Torah reprimands in a way to keep their dignity alive. If you learn that your child did something, your child did something that's inappropriate, that's not, that, that's not good, still we have to find a way to reprimand them. We'll see next week's Parsha. We have a commandment to reprimand and rebuke our fellow. But there's a proper way to do it. You don't have to destroy their dignity. You don't have to completely obliterate their existence because they did something wrong. You still have to recognize they're a human being. They could be a father, a mother, a sister, a brother, a child of someone. Keep their dignity. It's a very important thing. Of kosher animals, there are two types of non-kosher. Now, one is a nevela and one is a trefa. A nevela is an animal that died not by proper shechita. So if someone finds an animal that's just lying dead, a kosher animal, so let's say a little goat, find a little dead goat, that is not, that's called a nevela. Or if the slaughtering was not proper. So it died not by a proper shechita, not by a proper slaughter. It's called a nevela and may not be eaten. Then there's something called a trefa. Now, many people use the word treif for anything that's not kosher, but that's not true. A trefa, it actually comes from the, the Torah, which tells us that an injured animal that wouldn't live 12 months, so a kosher sheep or goat that is limping, it has uh, something that would not allow it to live for 12 months, even if it had a proper shechita, a proper slaughter, may not be eaten, and it's called a Trefa. Okay, so there's a nevela and there's a trefa. Just if we ever learn the Talmud that talks about this, we'll know the distinction between these two non-kosher, kosher animals. Okay? One is that it died not a not through a slaughter, and the other is that it was slaughtered properly, but wasn't warranting a shechita because it wouldn't survive 12 months. Okay, next is, the Torah tells us, be holy. Be holy. Such an important commandment in the Torah, to be holy. Why? Because I am holy. Which tells us a number of things. Number one, Hashem wants us to be like him. Where is there a mitzvah in the Torah that tells us, emulate God? Well, we see this multiple times in this week's Parsha, last week's Parsha, and this coming week's Parsha. We see this idea that God says, be holy because I am holy. Well, you're God. I'm just human. Why should I be holy just like you are holy? Well, guess what? God is telling us here, your job is to emulate me. Why should you be holy? Because I'm holy. And that's your job, to emulate the Almighty to emulate the Creator. That's your job. And this is an incredible teaching here where the Torah is telling us to be godlike. You know why? You know why the Torah tells us that? Because the Torah believes that we can be godlike. You know, in, in the name of Adam, why does God call Adam, Adam? It says, because he was taken from the earth. Our sages say, but if you look carefully at the name of Adama, it's also, if you change the vowels, it's Adame. It's to emulate God. So what is God telling us here in our name as humanity? 
God is telling us, emulate me. Be holy because I'm holy. So in what ways do we need to be holy? Torah tells us now a list of all of the relationships that we need to preserve and ensure that they remain holy. Physical intimacy should be holy. A man and a woman who are married, and the Torah tells us, and Torah commands us that they should be together intimately, the Torah is very happy about that. The Torah wants that. The Torah wants a husband and wife to have a loving, nourishing, beautiful relationship. The Torah commands that. However, if they're not married, they shouldn't be together. In fact, the rabbis already instituted a decree that any man or woman who are not married, a girl over the age of three and a boy over the age of nine, should not be alone in seclusion. They should not be alone in a room together. Oh, what are you, suspecting them? is a very fundamental principle in Judaism. It's in the Talmud, it's in the Midrash, it's in all of the commentaries. Nobody is trusted. You look in the news for five minutes and you'll see why. Nobody is trusted. You can see a story, a 17-year-old boy rapes a 90-year-old woman. What? You'd think that there was no attraction, there was no desire, really, a 90-year-old woman in a nursing home? Yes, there is no trust of anyone when it comes to sexual relations, to sexual temptation and desires. Nobody's trusted. Therefore, the Torah commands us to keep a distance. Oh, you're, you're suspecting me? Everyone is suspected. Everyone is suspected, and therefore we need to have extra measures to ensure that we stay away from trouble. The last four governors of the state of New York left office because of an affair. Four governors. And you think like, what? It's not so common. It's more common than we hear about. And it's not only governors. It's happened to people in the royal family. It's happened to people who were statesmen, there were people who were prime ministers, there were people who were presidents, there were people who were mayors, there were people, sadly, who were called rabbis. Nobody is trusted. And this is something that we can't, in our world, we say, well, it's okay, live and let live and let people just be themselves and let them know. The Torah says, be holy. That means you need to protect yourself and Create an extra measure of protection. So let's see what this list of forbidden sexual relations between a man and, and I have all the sources here so you can look in the verse yourself, a man and his mother, his stepmother, his sister, his half-sister, his granddaughter, his aunt, father-sister, his aunt, his father's brother's wife, his daughter-in-law, his sister-in-law, a woman and daughter or granddaughter, a woman and her sister, a daughter, a grandmother, or granddaughter. And the rabbis added many more to these that are written in the Torah. The Torah commands us these specific relationships that are forbidden, but there are more that the rabbis say, like a 
step grandfather, step grand, you know, step grandmother, and step grandchild, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, all of these other relationships. So, if we stop for a second, we're like, what is the Torah suspecting that someone would be with their mother, or with the stepmother, or with their sister, or with their half sister? Sadly, we've all heard stories. We've all read news articles where people who at a moment of weakness or out of malicious intent did things. Torah says, protect yourself. Now, the halacha goes even further and says, don't even touch someone who you're not supposed to be with. Meaning, anyone who is not your spouse, you shouldn't be touching them. I, I have a my own personal non-scientific study. I was once teaching a class to a group of women and I said, you know, it's common today, common practice, sadly, that when people come to shul and a man sees a woman, they're all, they're kissing each other and they give each other a hug. Uh, you know, it's friends. It's all, it's only friends. And I asked in a class once of all the women here, which women are excited and comfortable with their husbands kissing their best friend just as saying hi and it was a resounding 0% that were comfortable with it a kiss in the cheek and 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 they were not from orthodox communities they were not from orthodox communities they were not religious they all felt a little uncomfortable about it yeah it's commonplace it's practice this is what we do but none of them were excited about it None of them were happy about it, definitely not. So what the Torah is telling us that there are certain guidelines, there are certain guidelines to protect ourselves from situations that can possibly go wrong. That doesn't mean that every time a person is nice to another person that it means that, oh, they're, they're, they have negative intentions or that they're trying to do something. That's not necessarily the case. People can be polite and people should be polite and people should be kind. But to keep a notable distance between someone who's not your spouse. They're not your spouse. There should be a separation. Okay, additionally, the Torah very, very explicitly tells us that a person should not be involved in a relationship between a man and a man. As the Torah tells us in chapter 18, verse 22, it's to'eva. To'eva means it's an abomination. A man being with another man, the Torah tells us, is an abomination. God is the creator of heaven and earth. God is the one who gave us this life that we're living in, and God instructs us that this is not the proper way to live life. And it's interesting that the world today, you know, even I may be banned now because I'm saying what the Torah tells us. I might be blacklisted from YouTube and blacklisted from all of these, right? Because how can you say that? Because we're living in a world today that is godless. They removed God. And if they remove God, they remove his Torah. If they remove his Torah then there are no rules and there are no commandments and there are no principles. And that is a big, big problem. And it's something that we need to be very, very cognizant of. It's something that we need to be very, very cautious 
about allowing it to creep into our culture and into our society and weakening our connection with the Almighty. If someone wants to do what they want to do, it's no different than someone deciding that they don't want to observe Shabbos or that they want to speak Lashon Hara. But don't change the rules of the Torah. You know, Golda Meir said once, she said, the shul that I don't go to is orthodox. Meaning, I'm not going to change my standards because I decided not to do something or not to observe it. That means a person who wants to live a certain lifestyle, that's their choice. But don't say that the Torah doesn't say it's forbidden. Don't say that the Torah doesn't say that it's an abomination. Say, look, I have desires, I have temptations, I can't control them, and that's why I'm going against the Torah. But don't make that which is forbidden permitted. And I think that's important for us to keep this perspective. We're living in a world where we have to tolerate everything. Well, the Torah says it's an abomination. Now, I always tell people, people ask me this all the time, will you accept me if I have a different lifestyle choice at your classes? I'm like, I don't ask anyone who they sleep with at night. That's not my business. You want to learn Torah? Come learn Torah. Everyone is welcome. And we don't judge, and we don't ask, and we don't care. We teach the word of Hashem. And we have to be very careful about this, not to ever push a Jew away. Because again, someone who chooses to sin, it's no different what cho- what choice of sin they choose. If someone chooses to speak Lashon Ara, are we going to say, they're going to speak slanderously about someone else, and say, well, you can't join our classes. God forbid. We welcome everyone. But it doesn't mean that we say Lashon Ara is okay because it's commonplace. We all know that Lashon Ara is not okay. Just because everyone does it, just because it's very common today for people to tolerate LGBTQIA, whatever it is, it doesn't mean that this is what Hashem says is okay. We still need to know what's right and wrong. And all of the prohibitions that we said is not only a prohibition of a man on a man in these relations, it's also a prohibition on the woman. Okay, my dear friends, that concludes the important lessons for Pashas Achremos, and I look forward to continuing next week, or actually this week, with Pashas Kedoshim on the other side of your sheets. Have a magnificent Shabbos.